Welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, show of art, London Outlaws, Prince, Billy Idol, Pascal. That's right, today's guest is Adrena. Adrena, the amazing artist, creator, and co-founder slash creative director for Gem and Bolt, Mascal. This is a good conversation about how art transforms and turns into a liquid. This is a very interesting Mascal, Gem and Bolt. It has some herbal infusions, and it's made somewhat like a pachuga. It's very delicious. It has an interesting, reminiscent kind of herbal green vegetal quality along with that espadine. You guys need to try that. But it's great to hear the story and how all of this came to be. Mezcal brings us all together, and this is yet another shining example of how it has inspired another artist. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Adrena Drina, co-founder of Gem and Bolt Mezcal. And so most every show I was ever in or partook in, I was curating as well. Yeah. So I was really into the combination of things coming together. Right. And, you know, that's a different, it's a different stage. It is. It's a stage, actually. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. As a brand owner, has that changed a little bit where you kind of... Not no, at all. no, not at all. It's exactly the same. Because, you know, <laughs> as a brand owner, I go out and it's, I try not to let anybody know, but when they find out, then they're asking all these kinds of questions. Like, oh, how are things going? How's the business and all of that? But for you, you want to feel it instead of have to talk about it all the time. I enjoy talking about it. It's more, you know, and I enjoy talking about the process and the story and all of these things. Mm. But when you ask about myself, within all of it, I prefer to be spoken about. <laughs> <laughs> So you have you must have an amazing PR group. You have to. No. We have a we do. Or amazing PR person even perhaps. We have an amazing, very boutique PR lovely yeah. lady. They do the best job. Yeah. Get out of the firm space. Well, so today's interesting. We we're talking about the eclipse earlier. For me it felt like a moment of transition a lot. I was kind of in a way it was this uh release for me. And emotionally I feel a lot better now. You kind of you, you were talking about that earlier, where you kind of felt this looming sense of nausea. How does it feel now? Do you feel kind of purged a little bit, a little absolutely, bit yeah. absolutely. And it was pretty immediate as well, which yeah, I found right. interesting. I did not expect that at all. We were talking about it earlier in a group, and I felt like a pressure in my stomach, like something was like right. kind of moving around there. And the moment I would say about five minutes after the eclipse, it was just like, I'm like ah. it's strange. Mm-hmm. It's like we kind of just entered the next chapter a little mm-hmm. bit. So I feel that. I do too, yeah. It's very, very palpable today, especially. Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted to ask you, having a company that is so beautifully organized and formed by women, women, other minority groups and things right now are having a bit of a go. There's a bit of friction. And in this recent kind of modern time for you, 
and of course we'll talk about mezcal, which is a nice intersection here, but how do you feel as a woman, a strong woman with a great company in the face of perhaps is a bit of tension right now, a bit of inequality that was more present now than it had been maybe two years ago? Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I have felt from the beginning of our spirits adventure that our perspective on, on um, oh, how do I put it? This is always such a hard conversation, sure, right? Sure, it's like yeah. a challenging one. We have not felt as if we were a minority entering right. the spirits world. I know that there's a, a greater ratio of men in spirits mm. and less women, obviously, but we've been very welcome because I think the times have changed. And I think that the opening is there. And I tend to stay really focused on what's immediate around me, and yeah. we all do that. I think all of the women and the people that work within Jim and Bolt are very much having personal relationships and engaging from that perspective. And right. so I don't feel the outside tension with, in Jim and Bolt in that's any great. shape or form, yeah. honestly. No, I think that's a brilliant thing. Yeah. Because the larger you pan out, if you will, mm -hmm. I think the more ten contentious it becomes. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about agave spirits, you talk about agave lovers, it's a completely different thing. A little insular, but yet very, very passionate, very, very accepting. It's true. When you think about that that community, right, and was it something you were always a part of, just personally, as a spirits love, lover or aficionado? Well, I started out loving agave spirits, specifically tequila, yeah. before I knew Mezcal well. And then, you know, once I... It Met mezcal. <laughs> I never. Well, I, you know, there's still tequila that I enjoy. They, of, course, of, course, of course, of course. But I mean, I'm greatly a mezcal drinker. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a long adventure and love affair. It's kind of you know, for for instance, David Lynch, right? Mm -hmm. So you watch Blue Velvet. Cool, Blue Velvet. People kind of get it. It's yeah. maybe one of the most cogent of his movies. Maybe, maybe. But then you go to like Inland Empire. Or Mulholland Drive, and you're like, what the fuck? But so to me, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Right? So do you, do you feel like somehow mezcal is more rich, more cerebral, more creative than tequila? And this is not to, you know, this is not a pejorative conversation about tequila, but mezcal offers something different. Well, I mean, tequila was a mezcal. They just right. shifted their process when they started producing more. So it's a different agave, and I think that the process that we use with mezcal that's so artisanal, obviously, mm. um, you know, connects you closer to the earth. And so yeah. I guess the answer is yes, but I hate to diss tequila because, you know, I do appreciate tequila's it. Tequila is great, but it's not as much of a thinking piece as mezcal is. No. That's ultimately what it is. Just yeah. a tad more cerebral. Well, of course, the intersection of art and spirits <laughs> happens for lots of us, <laughs> and it's a very natural progression, but... This story ultimately starts, you're from Virginia originally, is that correct? Yeah, mountains of Virginia. Deep, 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 deep. mountains of Virginia. In a, what could be considered a closed off fashion or a very, very open kind of artistic upbringing. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, well, both. So the, we were living, Ellie, my art and business partner, yeah. co-founder Gemma Bolt, um, she and I are from the same place both from this oh you didn't place. know this no oh this is one of the best parts of the story oh amazing um our fathers were outlaws together i've known her since she was born a little bit older so That's yeah amazing. we grew up in a very bohemian enclave there but we were deep in the hollers of virginia where yeah. people had you know came over from from europe and right. settled there so it was closed in that sense you know closed in, in the mountains and very remote but 
Yeah. That's incredible. Basically, it would be like if all of us, a bunch of people we knew, were like, hey, let's move to this cool place and, you know, drop out. What do you do just for fun? Because I imagine it's quite remote, as you mentioned. Or is it relatively We learned how to celebrate. I mean, this is, yeah. we really brought this for. We learned how to celebrate from our elders. Well, they weren't. They weren't old then, they were young. <laughs> we learned how to, they were throwing lots of parties yeah. and tons of musicians and there was art and it was very, very engaging, social, celebratory and very oh. communal. There were lots of communes. And, yeah. yeah. Did it spark an interest in any particular field for you? Because of course the openness of art makes sense that of course that would happen. But maybe music, maybe drama, maybe film, anything particularly that you really, really enjoyed. I think the reason that we ended up integrating so many mediums into our art world and, mm. and then into Dimmabolt ultimately is because of the way we engage celebration there. So, you know, music, art, mm. herbs, all of these things that ultimately we've kind of put together yeah. all come from that background. They were really very, very deeply engaged by our, our parents. <laughs> Where were your parents from then? From um, Virginia too? My mom was originally from California. Yeah. Okay. And, but uh, yeah, long stories. My father was from DC. Yeah. A lot of people moved in from other places. Ellie's parents were from, you know, up north. Yeah. Was it a thing where, so I actually just spoke to somebody from Campari that had a very similar s oh, really? story. Yeah. Wow. Living and growing up in an area outside of San Francisco in basically this artistic community. And her parents were a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And then her dad was a scientist. And they said, we're dropping this so that our daughter can have the most fulfilling and artistic upbringing possible. So was this kind of a, a, a crossroads in some sense? Did they have like a professional career before they came to this place? Oh, that's really great. My mother was 18 when she had me. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my father was a Vietnam vet. Yeah. I think even back for maybe not eight years. But no, very different, very different. Very different. My yeah. mother went on to become a very um, professional person, but that was later on. What a, what career? Just curious. Um, she's in food and water Interesting. issues, let's say. So being immersed then in nature, immersed in celebration, how was your sense of connection to nature at that point? Did you feel, being all around you, did you feel like that was something that also had maybe a, a life of its own? Yeah, I don't think I was aware that there was anything different at yeah. that point. There were times that we would go to the city, which is very rare. Yeah. And I what was the it. what was the most the closest city? Charlottesville. Is Charlottesville. Actually, really? I know. No I can't kidding. believe this as we're on this. That's of amazing. So, but Charlottesville <clears throat> is a beautiful. You know, yeah, really is there. Is a it's a wonderful. Town. I loved Charlottesville. It was like kind of the big city sure. for me when I was a child. So, what, so what, we also went to Boston to Jamaica Plain. Though, that's good too. That's I loved Jamaica. Very very big city much different than Charlottesville not as beautiful but architecturally beautiful right it's just mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. is it contrasted did you get more pop culture that way because it I guess I assume it's kind of secluded and you guys are making your own culture we were making rather, our own culture right instead of bringing Absolutely. it in but Absolutely. then you go to like Charlottesville is it kind of a different exposure altogether yeah well I think it was interesting you know this was the 80s for me so um when I started engaging Charlottesville and remembering you know what was going on in the outside world yeah. and you can learn pop culture really quickly, but you can't make culture very right. easily. Like it's a much different process. So we were coming from the other side for sure. I never had a television. That's I good. I still have only had a TV when I lived in London. 
music was that influential for you massively Elliot's mother was a musician and she was like she was basically our rock and roll star yeah. in the community we had a band called the okays there. yeah okay <laughs> they were you know I mean these are all people we knew but they sure, played every sure. weekend and we were all there so anybody that you that from the outside somebody maybe that's like a universal artist that you really connected with getting exposed to music on a larger yeah. level yeah anybody? I mean Prince was probably my oh, first yeah, love okay. yeah it's true yeah well, Actually, I, mean, I had half half my room was Prince and half it was Billy Idol. So this is pretty good. Yeah. It's a pretty good combination. I thought it was a good combo. It's not bad at all. I met Billy Idol later, like Did I don't you? know, maybe ten years ago, and I was he still like, looks all right, doesn't he? He looked amazing. Yeah, I was like, what did you do to yourself? How did you do this? Because he he was, and I don't know as much about Billy Idol as some other folks, but. He, I think he lived a relatively clean lifestyle later on. Later on. Right. I know it was yeah. real rough early on when he was he was in the the, the Generation X or something. I can't yeah. remember the band that was. Gen X. Gen X. Yeah. So was that a nice, complete circle meeting him? Was it a good moment? I was so excited. I actually was doing uh, stylist work then in really? LA for a moment. I used to subsidize my art world with stylist work. Yeah. And uh yeah, I did a music video like in 10 years ago. The, I don't know the song. Oh I can't my God. remember right well, now. Well, Cradle of Love is the his return single. Yeah, I think maybe that's what it was. That, right. yeah, yeah. I can't believe you know that. That's yeah, I good. know dumb shit. I'll tell you right. <laughs> <laughs> Trivial is a word I really am familiar with. Yeah, I was ridiculously excited. That's amazing. I even took a picture with him which I never do with you, anyone, Yeah, you but. still have it. Oh yeah. It's in one of my books. <laughs> Then thinking about that path then. So what what is the next step for someone? Is it to teach the kids that are growing up in this community? Or is it to finally go on your own and find your own way? You mean for Ellie and I when we left um, mm-hmm. the area? Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, a lot of our peers and people who are young, I was of the first generation of kids that okay. kind of came in. And um, a lot of people stayed. A lot of kids stayed and had families. And there's really? there's still a big community there. I go back. It's The area hasn't changed much. Yeah. It's a really interesting place. But Ellie and I both took off immediately and went out in the world and individually had our own, you know, schooling, art lives, yeah. lived around the world before we actually met up and became an artist duo. Did you feel like you just had to create getting out of that community or had you not discovered that yet? No, I'm well. Yeah, I didn't think about it getting out of the community. I just was very to, ready to, to explore the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wanderlust, right? Yeah. What was your first exposure to something that was a much larger and kind of foreign and maybe strange culture once you got out? Well, I mean, really, it's, it was before I left home. My parents. I used to go with my mother and my stepfather to Tulum. So I've been oh, going there since I was a child, yeah. like a, wow. early teens, and so that was. It was larger than life in a certain Absolutely, sense. Yeah. <laughs> and um, definitely very other from where I came from. Actually very similar, but a very different landscape. Totally different colors. Yeah. <laughs> colors different colors. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Brown and the greens, I imagine. <laughs> yes. In Virginia. So when you think about the what is the straight narrow path for a lot of us, and that is going to college, mm-hmm. getting that four-year degree. I think it's two and a half kids now. Is that right? Is that the, is that the prescription? Or maybe it's, yeah, is it one and a half yet? It I was two and a half. I mean, one frankly, and a half I hope it's fewer and fewer. But that's just personal. But for you, were you saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to pursue a degree. I want to go into academia. My mother's very, very um, academic and intellectual. Yeah. I would never have not double negative, but not gone, <laughs> gone to uh, to school. So I did. But I spent three years abroad when yeah. I went. So. 
That's amazing. Is this when you landed in London to study? That was my second degree. Second I went degree. to I went to Evergreen, and Elliot went to Hampshire. I don't know really? if you know either of these schools. They're like bit, very yeah. similar, but you know, different, different coasts, different. Would you focus on then in your first degree, English art? What, what was your anthropology and dance? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Any areas of the world that you found more interesting anthropologically? I find all of it interesting, honestly. But I went and lived. I spent um, about, I guess I was there for nine months, nine months in South America, and but I lived in India for a year then. Where and I studied Katakali in southern India in Kerala. Oh, wow. And studied Katakali, which is a really interesting dance form. All male, actually. I don't know why I chose that. but Were you still able to participate, given the culture there? I don't know. I had a great teacher. I was oh, deep, deep in it. But, I mean, it's like ballet. You need yeah. 16 years. So a year is not very long yeah. but i was really saying dance to study stories and mythological stories so interesting mm-hmm. you more of a roman person or a greek person? greek greek <laughs> romans kind of ripped him off right <laughs> i mean I, I appreciate the roman all the roman stuff but of i'm course. definitely it came with much aggression it feels like yes. but i digress that's a cultural uh, history my there greek. my name is greek we were it talking is. about my name that's earlier. right my Did, name is greek do you know what are some words that it represents? Some All I know is that she was a pirate. A pirate? In the early, I think it was like 1200 something or other. And yeah, she was a pirate. But she was an interesting pirate because she went down with her ship when her crew was killed. So she had integrity. Yeah. She Well, she was a martyr. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. There's the double side <laughs> There's to like, that, right? I mean, it depends on how you look at it. She's amazing. She went yeah. down with the ship. Like, well, only because she really said she wanted to talk about going down with the yes. ship. Of course, not afforded that opportunity <laughs> after. So the... Again, you know, the second piece in London, it feels like a big chapter of your career and your journey was formed there. Absolutely. What drew you, not that there's no, I love London so much. Okay, good, because it's I my love city. It. I love London. It's like, I feel like I'm at home every time I go there, and perhaps I even am from a blood perspective, so mm-hmm, we'll see. But mm-hmm. What drew you to London then? Well, the interesting thing is I didn't know that I loved London yet. I had mm. been there a couple times, but I knew I loved the school that I wanted to go to there. So I was very, very um, much wanting to go there. Yeah. Did you, had you traveled the there and kind of like hung out a little bit before? Or? I went and did a summer course at the school I decided to go to yeah. there to check it out, make sure it was everything they said. And um, I had, it, and then I fell in love with London as well. So what do I you, love London. What do you, so this is, we'll nerd out about London okay. for a second. What do you love about London? Part of it is also intuitive for me, and maybe there's some genetic stuff. Yeah, like it's got to be, right? I Yeah, but you know, something, something like that. Yeah. But I love London because of the culture. But when I say the culture, I mean like the layers of culture that's there. So mm. I think it has something to do with the fact that they colonized the world yeah. and the absorption that they've had of cultures into the system and the way that that's kind of formulated itself in music and art and everything. It's just, it's very different. It is. It feels it's so extra we feel and i love the states i do we've done a lot of great things jazz is amazing thing we have some great food that we've created great spirits even incredible music bourbon i mean come on that's a big thing yummy but they all have this short-lived nature to them but you go to an ancient town like london like paris and you feel this depth to it that's really different and for you so many things you can dive into moving in there, but what was the thing that most, in, what in terms of extracurricularly? So of course you're going there for school, but was it the food you dove into? Was it Did a museums? lot of clubbing back in those clubbing? days. <laughs> no, but I loved the museums as well, I no, have to say. Well, no, course, I was very involved in the club culture in the early 2000s. Was it as good as I've read about? In 
fucking crap. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just being honest. There no, were things that were really going on there that were, um, you know, they created things. They moved things forward. Yeah. I'd say. That's the underworld era, right? Mm-hmm. That's fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Tell me, what, well, I, just because vicariously I'm going to live through you a little bit. This is the luxury I get of being on this chair and drinking mezcal with you. Tell me what it felt like to be in one of the heights of the, the, the what's the word, the apex of one of those evenings at a show or at a club. What would that really feel like? Well, this is, you know, this is one of the things I'm most attracted to in life in general yeah. is um, celebration. And like when I, whenever I say celebration in a ceremony, I really mean it. Like it's that moment. And it's not just like, we can use London and club sure, example, sure. but it's just a, a metaphor, very probably, good right? party, a very good celebration. There's a moment when the connectivity of the crowd and whatever else is going on, the music, all just comes together. Yeah. And um, and everybody just kind of loses themselves in that together. And that's it's very, very healthy for humans, I do believe. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe just the epitome of being in the moment? Yes, but you can do that in a, in a party. That's the thing. <laughs> you, so can you can do it in do many that. other situations but as well. with a lot of other people that are probably <laughs> yes. attractive and perhaps you're drinking, which is yes. an amazing thing. Yes. And communal in itself. Yes. It's right? communal. That's right. I think you're right because it's great to be introspective and have a good moment with oneself. Mm-hmm. But it's far greater to share it with other people. And many at once. <laughs> parties. Yes. I love it. Good parties. Good, sorry. <laughs> Excellent parties. Excellent parties. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that time and place. Yeah. I want it. Yeah, I, again, it's like one of those things I'd love to revisit because I was just a tad too young to be there. At that I have time. photos. Good, you do? I documented everything very, 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 very when well. When does the book so, come out? Um, <laughs> I am, you will see it at some point in the near future. That's amazing. Chronically. Maybe just a piece of that in there at least. I think, I can't wait to see it. Because I bet it's very neon-y. Lots of lights. There's light. There's light <laughs> for sure. So this pursuit, though, obviously you've driven into this artistic career where you're actually physically the man- manifesting your creativity on the page or on the canvas, or on the whatever medium. I know that you've worked with stiletto heels before, which is an interesting thing. I was studying fashion in London. Oh, that's but right. But I use it as an art degree, very, very much as a as an art and kind of film degree. Film as well. I was, I was doing, no, I I was doing film work within my, uh, in my no fashion. Can you tell me a couple of the main influences for you aesthetically at that point when you're in school at London? Oh, that's a really good question. What were my influences? You know, influences are always really funny for me because I absorb whatever's around sure, me, sure. but I never really directly reference individuals or individual of artists. Course, so. yeah. But you're moved by things. Absolutely. Anything that particularly moved you? A variety of Japanese designers were definitely why I got involved in fashion. But fashion for me was um, in the era where we called it, there was an avant-garde movement going on that was right. very renegade, and I was a big part of that. Film-wise, because I'm a huge film I just fan. made a film every project because I Did was you a little really? bored, honestly. Because you're bored? Well, you had stuff. to do an outfit every two weeks, uh, or like a shirt or a right. jacket, and like it was very one-dimensional. Incredible school, incredible teachers, everything sure. amazing about the course. But it was very one-dimensional. So I did a, um, for a majority of it, I did a very short kind of, we'll just call it music video-esque little really? film that went along with it all, yeah. You didn't have a music career, did you? No. Okay. I was making sure. I would love to have had. You know those I cannot those videos will surface eventually. Sing for you. I, can, <laughs> I could sing for you, but it's not gonna. It'll be. I think it'd be fine. I recorded one song. Once See, upon I knew a time. there was something. I made a song up. for a for a professor that yeah, it was a joke though. But I recorded it in my. 
when I was at Evergreen. And yeah. So it exists. I have it. I'm the only Challenge person accepted. that has it. It's a tape. Oh. <laughs> well, it's harder to get. It's a tape. Well, then you finish up. You've got these multi-focuses with art and film and all of this fashion as well. What do you want to do with it? How do you want to share your aesthetic perspective with the world at that point? How did Be I, unleashed. Yeah. How did I want to do it at that point in time? Yeah. Um, well, I was very interested in merging many pieces together so i was i was always doing when i would do a show we would bring in celebration and we would bring in elixirs and cocktails yeah. and um and present it to the world from many different levels do you like curating experiences then mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. so both what people are drinking what they're seeing mm -hmm. did you remain in london for this first kind of foray into to that professionally i stuck in london for some years yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm there very regularly as well you came back to the States, I guess? I went back to the States for a moment, and then, you know, I, mo I moved to Marfa. <laughs> oh, that's Oh, right. did you know that? That's I did funny. know that, yeah. I, I always think it's, it's funny to me, actually. Why? It's, well, Marfa is the, you know, it's the, the epicenter of bohemian culture. Is that fair? Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the little mini epicenters. Mini Maxi. We could call there, it Mini yeah, Maxi. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, the, oddly enough, I saw a traveling blog. Where a man named Alton came and you guided him around and he took some pictures of you. I was just texting with Alton right before we were talking. Same He's one of my besties. That's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, so she was in Marfa's wall, again, fostering this creative and artistic career. Yeah. How was your experience there, especially being around so much agave? There's actually quite a lot of agave. Oh, there. it was a good agave time for sure. Marfa's wild. I mean, Marfa's so, it's so unusual and. It's off the charts. It's one of those very spectacular places you can only, you can only really get Marfa. Is it worth the? the I'm going to use this word. Okay. Is it worth the hype? Because you absolutely. Got, it is. Okay, good. That's why because the hype is there, I okay. guess. <laughs> well deserved, then. Yeah. Good. It's special. It's a very special place. It feels like it. Mm -hmm. and it's I, odd. I've been a couple times. You've been. Yeah. What I've did been you think? There. I. It was odd. Yeah. It was me versus the people that was like, "Why are you in my town?" But was there a party going on when you were there? This is no. always a question. It's really important to be there during um, a social moment. Yeah. I mean, it's also just nice and weird to be there without that. I love how windy it was. Yeah. It's really intense. strange how flat, but it's very windy. Yeah. So then it begs the question, why would you leave? Why would you leave such a place? I moved to Mexico to start Jim and Volt with Ellie. We did it. It's amazing. From Marfa. We left. We quite literally drove from Marfa in a truck down. Into Oaxaca or other places? No, we, well, we drove. I mean, we. It's no, ours. we went it's straight to Tulum, actually. Tulum, you know, yeah. yeah it was there. Revisiting some familiar Lots of revisiting of Tulum. There was a lot of that going on. Was Mezcal something that. Because I try to think of it. We all have our stories. Yeah. And the saying goes that you don't find Mezcal, Mezcal finds you. Well, that's true. Right? And Absolutely. so for you, what was that situation? What was that scenario in which it kind of just landed in your lap? Well, it's funny because, you know, I was a Mezcal lover. Ellie and I both were Mezcal lovers. And when we first started the project, I'm doing the quote. Air quotes here, yeah. The <laughs> quote there of Jim and Bolt, which was very um, organic and exploratory in the beginning. We were making an elixir with Damiana. And we loved Mezcal so much. And I was like, oh, it's super high alcohol. We can, <laughs> we can make tincture with it. So, you know, I mean, that's. That's a great point. That's actually a really smart application. Oh, and I really alcohol. would like to tell the world they should be everybody. Nobody should be using any other spirit to make a tincture. tincture. No. What do you What do you find would you? so compelling about? And then I mean, 
Mescal, we don't, we don't have to talk about that. We both agree. But for a tincture, what do you think it's so effective? Well, it's very high. I mean, it's high alcohol, and that's yeah. what you need to actually pull the properties sure. of herbs out. And it's a clean, 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 beautiful spirit yeah. that's actually um, has benefits. I feel in benefits right now, actually. Sipping a little bit of the gym and oh, thanks to the camera. Always. So this is good. <laughs> but this particular herb, which, so I make gin. So I get some herbs, right? Herbs yeah, yeah. I get. Yeah, yeah. But Damiana, and that's, that's the right pronunciation, right? Yeah. I, I like how you pronounce it. It is the right pronunciation, but you have an interesting. I'm yeah, sure I have strange. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. I'm taking Spanish lessons now. Good. And I speak a little bit of French, and so I'm going to screw everybody up when I talk to them. That's good. I'm already expecting it. But for you, what was the mystique or what was the history of this? Or what was it known for? Because it's something very foreign to me. I haven't seen it before. Well, it's interesting. You know, it had, it's still, it's becoming more known now. Yeah. But it had a cult following with herbalists. And so Ellie and I grew up with quite a few herbalists. Um, one herbalist in particular, very well known. And mm. I learned about, I'm almost positive I learned about Damiana from the beginning from her. But from that moment on, as a, as I grew up into the world and became an adult, um, anybody who was into herbs was just like, Damiana. It was just like that. It would always be like, and anybody who was like kind of a secret, like a club of people would be like, right. you know about Damiana. You know Betty Blackwell? This is a Texas joke, by the way. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. No, it's one of the best commercials ever. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing with mezcal, too. You find a friend always. You're like, hey, do you drink mezcal? It's so like, true. It is, right? It's true. What are some of the properties of this herb? What is it known to improve or known to heighten? Well, the Aztec and the Maya and many herbalists claimed that it had... Um, properties that made you happy and um they call it an aphrodisiac which i don't like to use that word very often because it's kind of a boring word but that's what they said so something that just heightens the senses Mm -hmm. maybe makes you feel slightly enlightened Mm -hmm. so of course too much of a good thing is a great thing Mm -hmm. so using an agave (laughs) bay using this herb that heightens your sense of maybe sensuality your height and your sense of cerebral you know like all of these things when did that idea come to mind? They said, oh. That the two would work together? Those two things together? Forget about it. I think it was an intuitive match, honestly. Yeah. Like, it was one of those things. It's like the Reese's Cup. That, like, <laughs> how did they do that? I don't know. It just kind of happened. There is a story for that. Yeah. But it is this funny. Is there a story? I don't know. Well, but, yeah. it's a fake story that yeah. there was a truck that ran into another truck, and then there was a murder. Oh, really? But that's fun. That's Family Guy. So that's his retelling <laughs> okay. of such yeah, collaboration. But... I mean, it makes sense. You yeah. see things playing off each other. Okay, sorry. But they love each other. We did not know that. The thing is, is that those two plants, and it has to do with the the Maguey, which is the sure. agave, yeah. and Damiana, it, they love each other. There's something about the two of them together that... Symbiotic? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, people say that the agave, like, let's say, sim- symbolically uh-huh. opens the heart and the mind, sure. and, you know... We really look at Damiana as like a heart opener. And so there's something extra about it all. Yeah. I think that there's something that you can't read on the bottle. There's something you can't taste. But something that exists about mezcal. And it is transportative. And in a way, it takes you to a place that you can't really get with other spirits. It's true. So to heighten that, I mean, come on. You're pushing <laughs> the boundaries just a little bit with this thing, right? But it worked. It does work. <laughs> but so having this idea, right? Because, all right, so this is when so the creativity piece comes into play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you you develop this beautiful story about you know the gem and the bolt how ultimately, he, ultimately no we didn't know this oh you didn't know that oh yet. you don't know this part okay no yeah. so we were 
we named ourselves Gem and Bolt. Mm-hmm. When we started, we were already an artist duo. Sure. And then we started the project, which we did want to do something commercial. But we had no idea what we were going to do. Yeah. And we named it Gem and Bolt. And then we were Gem and Bolt because, you know, we're oh, two like women the, and female artists. And kind of we were just like, oh, Gem and Bolt. And we are like, oh, I guess we're Gem and Bolt. And then when we finally, you know, a couple of years later, we were already making our elixir with the Mezcal. But when we got to Oaxaca and, and um, I think... A couple people were like, great name. We were like, thank you. We actually really like it. And they're like, well, for Mezcal. And we were like, don't have any idea what oh you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. So that's how that happened. So we, you, it was a mis- you it was were already an that way. Not a mistake. <laughs> and it turns out it is this saying about ultimately heat and energy with the Mekai turns it into a lovely piece to ferment ultimately for the Well, it's the lightning hit the, the agave. Yeah, the lightning so the lightning bolt hit the heart of the agave and created the sap known as Mezcal. But we really, truly, honestly did not know anything about the story. And it's funny, when it was brought up the first time, it was another Mezcal producer who had been saying from the beginning, he was like, you guys are going to have a Mezcal brand. We were like, I don't really think so. Yeah. He was like, well, yeah, you're Gem and Bolt. We were like, what is? what are you talking about? So that, that never happens. You know what I mean? Like that you, in a way, it was, you foretold the story. Exactly. You yourself that way. It's what's the word for it? It's uh, clairvoyant almost, right? Something like that. So having this great idea, having this great elixir, how do you make the decision to say, all right, we're going to put it in a bottle and we're going to share it with everybody? Well, you know, we were making the elixir and then this happened, exactly what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And we decided to have a party in Oaxaca where we brought I'm really in. surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And we, Acid Polly, I don't know if you know the DJ Acid Polly. He's one Heard of my yeah, favorite familiar. in the world, dear friend now. Um, we brought him in to do this party. We're like, well, we shouldn't just do the elixir. We should actually infuse our mezcal now and like make it like more, you know, a larger thing. Because yeah. before we were just doing an elixir that we were adding into mezcal cocktails. Got it. Okay, okay. And that we already had the speakeasy in Oakland. Like a lot had happened and we'd been involved in that world for, you know, I think it, it felt like a long time, but I think it had been a year. And um, yeah, we decided to have this party. And so we started infusing. Yeah. And, you know, for a long while we were infusing, hand infusing all of our mezcal ourselves for a couple years there. Thousands of liters that we yeah. were then driving to Tulum. So you're bootlegging. Oh, yes. But that's a great way to start a great brand, bootlegging. Now, don't do that in the States. No, no, no. We would never do that in the States. You'll get, yeah, you'll get <laughs> tossed in a river somewhere. It's really yeah, a bad yeah. state of affairs. But this became something that perhaps you're like, this might be something we can share, that we can transport people to this state of mind, this communal feeling we have when we drink it. Because, again, the transportative mm-hmm. nature mm-hmm. of mezcal. And you said, all right, maybe we'll really do this, and we'll go and we'll create a product. I mean, because that's a big... I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to, <laughs> to, to make any comments about artists. But transitioning to something where you have a business, you need money. There are P&Ls. It is a very hard and fast shift. But for you, was that something that was a natural evolution that you really wanted to get into? Well, that? That you're a creative director, right? I mean, it's a different capacity with Jim Bolt, but yeah. you still got to turn it into something, a business. Well, the thing that's, you know... In all of that, the thing that's most interesting to me is that our intention in driving to Mexico mm-hmm. from Marfa and and starting Gem, Gem and Bolt, right. doing the local <laughs> again, um, we very intentionally were in te- were our purpose was to put everything that we loved in one project. Yeah. So that's actually that's how we started. So we were like, okay, so what you know, we drew this house in the beginning stages when mm-hmm. we were brains. 
we drew a house with all the rooms and we're like, what do we love? We're like art and celebration and herbs. And the interesting thing is that we actually got all that stuff in the one in the thing, thing in the whole project and which is now a brand but that was our intention so yeah. it was just a very organic and um yeah intuitive process it's a bottle of you well if you think about it's it. a bottle of ellie and i and well, many sorry, many yes, many other got, people who are involved well, there's, so. yes there's the mescaleros yeah. that make this but but ultimately the vision yeah what this feels like is an extension of your personality your art what you're introducing to the world so when was the first beautiful bottle of Gem and Bolt actually in your hands and you saw what this project had become? Well, I think it was really those first bottles we were making for that, that first party. Yeah. The, the infusion. That before, moment. did you ever see the bottle? It was just a clear bottle with a white label with a Gem and Bolt on it. And that was that way for a long while. I've only seen, yeah, I've only seen the, the frosted bottles. This beautiful bottle, which I love so much. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, this happened about a year and nine months ago. Really? Does it represent your flair for aesthetic? We are very, very happy with that <laughs> We love creative that Creative director, I mean, it it's, must be your baby. It's Ellie and my, we're creative directors together. And yeah. we, you know, being an artist duo and putting our work into something like this together, you really can, yeah, it feels like a baby. Right now, I think it's a teen. A teen? Oh, that's way better. Teen. I saw yeah. the baby. The baby like... part was really hard. The PNL part. Oh ooh, yes. That might have been like five years that's the old. The worst yeah. thing. But it is good to learn and grow. It is now being part of a business, being part of a, owning a business. Mm -hmm. How long has the Gem and Bolt as a formation been around now? Uh, as a as a formal business. Yeah. Well, we launched last year in the States, and so I really think that I was the formal this. moment of businessdom. You know, we were um, a project. That's right. We'll call it a project during those days. And, yeah, so it's, I mean, we're new in the market. But right, but n not new. It, it's a piece of you and has been for a while. We started the project about five and a half years ago. That's the very, cool. very early stages of it, that, you know. Yeah. We, well, so there's all the tech detail. I mean, I know that this is this is copper distilled. I can taste it. This is mm -hmm. Espadine. These are great things for Mezcal. Makes it accessible, but also has a lovely flavor. Has the infusion. What is the not infusion? This is the thing. Oh no, no, it's sorry, sorry. The no, Dominus this is distilled. distilled. Right, like very a Petruga. Yeah, yeah, right. It's where it's like a, we, you're you're covering all of our earlier conversations <laughs> today. By the way, yeah, because it's clear and it's beautiful and it's crisp, which means that you. You probably steeped it on second distillation, or you distill it once and then steep it, and then you distill it again to clarify, but give you just the lovely essence. Beautiful. Okay. The Damiana's added in the second distillation. Perfect. Which is perfect. See? Just like a Pachuga. Yeah. You guys do it exactly like they do. It is. I mean, it's made where the Pachugas are made, just yeah. a different ingredient. Yes. Yes. So it's been a year or over a year now you've been mm -hmm. to market. How are you, not how are you feeling, but any lessons that you've learned pretty quickly about taking your dream and actually bringing it to the market for people to drink. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier as well. Um, I was I actually had it bugged. Yeah. I heard all, the whole conversation. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> were you with us all day today? No, I'm serious. Um, advisors, getting really good advice yeah. and, you know, following your intuition is super, super key, obviously. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's not obvious, but it's it should be obvious. But getting um, help from people who have experience and... A wide variety of advisors. That's did been really helpful would, to us. Did you think you would need that in the beginning, or did you feel like my heart's going to lead me to this thing? 
I mean, we didn't even know we were going to have a mess cover in the beginning. <laughs> we had no idea how difficult yeah. sphere or challenging or and Absolutely. whatever the word is. No, challenging is, perfect. is very complex. Yeah. And there's lots and lots of layers to it. But it's really interesting. Yeah. That's the other thing that I did not know. In the beginning when I was kind of like, whoa, you don't know how compelling it is to actually engage within spirits. Because mm-hmm. as humans, we've been engaging spirits for, you know, the existence of our evolution. Like, it's a big part of our lives. So, of course, it's interesting. Sorry, I'm just sipping this. This is a good thing. I hope <laughs> I hope that the mics are as sensitive that they can hear me enjoying this. And sometimes ca- when cackling. you pop a bottle, yeah, sometimes when you pop a bottle, you can hear it. It's like, that's a remarkable thing. Well, I burped earlier. I, heard, I hope they couldn't hear that. I'll filter that one out. <laughs> I, did, I think I did, too, okay, actually. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Over a year, you get this mezcal on the market. It's a beautiful expression of espadine. I've heard about this brand for, for so long, and it's been great to meet Cameron one random night at a bar and started talking. Obviously, he's spilled with love for Agave, right? And it's great to meet you as well, and it's just it's beautiful that all this stuff kind of comes together, that you're in town. So we just have a couple more questions for you, too, I think, in total. Actually, this is a side one. What's the proof on the Gem and Bull? 44. 44. Perfect. Good. Because it just I got a weird bug up my ass about 80 proof mezcals. I just do. I'm, I, I understand. You I'll understand. I understand. Thank you. I just don't want to be judged in my house. No, no. Oh, no, it's okay. You can judge I won't. Yourself. I won't judge you. I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, 40 is too low. 40 for me is too low, yeah. Yeah. Because 60% water. It's more than half of it is not the agave. And that's fine. People got their own flavors. And I will stand by that. And so are the best mescaleros in the world will stand by that mm-hmm. as well. But you're in town, and this is a – how often do you make it? back to texas what's the itinerary been like while you're here oh, lots of fun uh i haven't been here for some months now it's yeah. been like six months but i try to drop in as often as possible because i love austin it's not a and i love spot. our team here I, you know it's just it's super fun yeah what do you like to do when you're in town i mean i know you got to do the social stuff you got to do media with bastards like me you have to go to taste things but what do you really want to do when you're in town See the clips at Burton's Pass today? That was really fun. <laughs> well, it was so really well. fun. That's amazing. Thing. How do you have the clips Barton Springs slash business meeting? Yeah, Spring it was actually business. Cameron's idea. I have to say, he was like, hey, should we diverge and go have like a team building? I mean, it was team building kind of is BS. the best we word just, for it. it. But it was, it's always team building. Whatever we do is team building. When to we're be. together. Has this changed in Austin a bit since you first started coming here? Have you noticed how the cocktail scene has started really emerging food scene as well? I lived in New Orleans for a big chunk of my, in like the 90s. Yeah. So I used to come here all the time and then it's changed a lot since. I, yeah, the food. It's crazy. The whole scene here is so great. And you always will find friends vastly and quickly with beautiful mezcal. Well, so this is the last question I want to ask you. And I have okay. no idea how you're going to answer that. I love this question. And Let's say, you know, we're all here sipping mezcal. This is a great moment for me. I really appreciate you coming by. But for you, let's say you're sipping mezcal anywhere in the world. doesn't matter where it is. And you can have and share a mezcal with any, anybody, living or deceased. Who would you love to just sip, jam and bolt with, or any whatever mezcal you want, right? And dive into someone's mind. Who would you like to have a conversation with? Oh, God. You know, I really don't like these kinds of questions. Well, so I'm going to find that. it. I'm going to find it. I'm gonna no, no, but it. think about this. This is the thing about this question. My grandfather, not, who that, didn't drink, by the way. He didn't drink? Yeah. Was he, what, what, 
He was a Jehovah Witness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a long story. But that would have been really interesting to me, honestly, because yeah. he was quite a mind. He had a, a brilliant mind, and he was really connected to uh, plants and the earth. And He, he was a very unusual human. Yeah. I think that's Lived off the land. Well, the, it's in a way, we always go back to our roots. And if being a botanist or being connected to the earth is something that's in your genes, you're always going to return to that. And I guess this spawns one last question for you then. Your mother, will she drink mezcal with you? She actually is in town with me right now. That is amazing. And she has tried Jim and Volt before. She is a wine drinker yeah. and not a, a spirits drinker. Sure. But the other night we went and had a couple of margaritas. Where do we We were at Leech's. So, Leech. oh, so, and I was like, okay, I can't believe this. Somehow I didn't notice that my mother has not properly had a Jim Volt night, which is crazy. I'm very wow. close with my mom. Yeah, yeah. And we got to watch my mother so not only drink Jim and Volt all night long, just a cu- two uh, cocktails, sure, sure, but it was sure. quite a bit for her. The next morning she woke up, she's like, I have no hangover. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I've been telling you about this. <laughs> yeah, this is that thing. Remember how I was doing this thing? Exactly what Cameron said. No, so that circle. was really fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I wish you, you know, the best of luck with this emerging and growing category of Mexican. Lots of new conversations to have. Not so, lots of new places to go and in, introduce people to these things. But I think the one thing we can agree on above anything else is that it tastes pretty damn good. And it always makes you feel good. It does. Mezcal always does. Never had a best, bad mezcal night. No. Never. Me either. So, Adrian, it's been just a pleasure. What a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much. me. Brilliant. And hopefully we'll sip some more, more mezcal after the mic. <laughs> God, so. Godspeed. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, there we have it, another Mezcal story, this time with co-founder and creative director of Gem and Bolt Mezcal, Adrina. Adrina, a beautiful artist, sharing this amazing Mezcal that Espadine infused with Damiana root makes for a very unctuous and luxurious drinking experience. Mezcal is art, and it is no surprise that such a creative spirit and such a creative life that Adrina has lived has led to such a beautiful product. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me, and thank you for paying for the beauty of Mezcal with Gem and Bolt. And thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many times you've seen They Live by John Carpenter and think, man, this is more relevant a movie than it ever has been. Or if you're wondering if Mindhunter on Netflix is something worth watching someone, let me know. Please keep thinking.